are blessed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, teach us to be blessed. In Jesus' name. Ever sat at a table with people you don't know, might have been at a wedding or another event, and the silence gets a little overwhelming, and so you decide you're going to start up a conversation. Natural questions, so what do you do for a living? Hey, who are you rooting for in the Super Bowl? Um, by the way, how do you know the couple? Some of my most unusual answers over the years have been, I'm a pediatric cancer nurse, and right then she became my newest hero. Another time, the woman sitting next to me said, oh, I'm the groom's ex-wife. And she noticed my little 99-cent plastic tab and assuming I was a priest, said, and Father, can I tell you stories about the groom? Another time, the guy next to me, I said, you know, who are you rooting for in the Super Bowl? And he says, oh, I'm rooting for the Baltimore Colts. And I said, wow, that's great. And then he showed me his hand that had a Super Bowl ring on it from the last time the Colts were in the Super Bowl. Some conversations end quickly. Others go all night. Some are too complicated. Some are really boring. Some cause you to laugh, and some bring tears to your eyes. I was at a conference in Loveland, Colorado. That's where group publishing is headquartered. And uh, most of us were church workers. We were going around the table introducing ourselves. Uh, for one of the women, it was her first time away from her baby, who was now six months old. And so she told everybody, she says, look, if I have to get up and go check, because I'm just, I'm just, I'm really anxious, please understand. We said, absolutely. And then she said, by the way, to the other women at the table, are, are any of you mothers? And one lady immediately took out her phone and started, started showing pictures. And then the other lady at the table, she said, yeah, I'm a mom, but my baby died just a few months after it was born. And suddenly all the air was sucked out of the room. Um, we were all just sitting there and trying to figure out, what do you say? And then this absolutely brave, faithful woman said, it's okay. I'm still a mom. And someday... I get to spend forever in heaven with my little daughter. That's when she became our table's newest hero. I have no idea how that conversation would have gone with people who were not followers of Jesus. Would they have checked their phones? Would they have moved to a different table, suddenly decided they needed to go to the bathroom, change the subject? You see, for us, because of Jesus in heaven, there were tears. But there were also smiles and stories and prayers, not just for this woman and her heavenly child, but for all of us who had said aloha to somebody who meant so much to us and we were looking forward to seeing again in heaven someday. To be a believer is not always rainbows and puppy dogs. To talk about our lives must include the pain and the longing and the loss, as well as the hope and the joys and the love. Our gospel lesson today is a really good example of that. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. You are blessed if you are persecuted because of my name. Now, last week I noted that we are a church of law and gospel, not just one or the other. Uh, to find the balance, not only in our physical life, but also our spiritual life, there has to be constant give and take, a, a tension that holds us exactly where we need to be so that we don't go too far to one side or the other. Now, beatitude is Latin for a declaration or a state of blessedness, which if you were paying attention when the scriptures were read, should have caused you to ask, how is it that someone who is poor in spirit, how is it that someone who is mourning, how is it that someone who is persecuted 
could be considered to be in a state of blessedness. If we pay attention to the context and know the audience, we know that Jesus is pushing back against the Pharisees and the Sadducees and those teachers of the law who were teaching good things happen to good people and bad things happen to bad people. And if you want to know where you stand with God, well, just look at what your life is. If it's full of good things, God loves you. If it's full of bad things, well, then you've obviously done something wrong and God is angry at you. <sighs> you can imagine as Jesus is preaching that bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people, a few of those Pharisees and Sadducees blew some champagne out their nose and probably choked on their caviar. And some who were hanging around at the back of the crowd, assuming that they were not invited, nor were they welcome in this place of holiness, they suddenly drew nearer. And they turned their ear to Jesus to make sure they heard what they thought they heard. Because if it was true, not only would it bring them hope, but it changes everything. Now, Jesus offers no explanation for why people are poor in spirit or have to mourn and suffer or are going to be persecuted. He simply promises that God is present in the midst of it. The Beatitudes insert hope into suffering and pain. Ever heard the word inconceivable? Uh, you have if you've ever watched Princess Bride. Uh, properly used, it means someone has found themselves in the midst of something they couldn't imagine until they found themselves in the midst of it. And now they are desperately trying to understand it. You know, it's true, much of our life is spent trying to avoid suffering. And if we can't avoid it, then we try to understand and explain it as though somehow being able to understand and explain it would make us feel better. It's never made me feel better. When St. Paul says we preach Christ crucified, and you know that Christ is not Jesus' last name, but the biblical word for the promised Savior, the word inconceivable actually comes to mind. I mean, how can God die? Why would God die? I mean, isn't one of the attributes of God that he can't die? One of my favorite songs is In Christ Alone. There is this part where we sing the wrath of God was satisfied. And I know far too many people who grew up in a home or a relationship where the wrath of a parent or spouse or pastor or teacher or neighbor caused a lot of pain in their life. They hear those words and they think God was just about ready to smote the earth and everything on it. His finger was right over the top of that big red button. But then Jesus came up with a plan. God born was killed and then he ran back to heaven and walked up to his father and said, please daddy, don't for my sake. And for a moment, God's wrath was appeased and the world and us were safe. But that doesn't mean that God won't change his mind and have a bad day or put his finger back on the smoke button if we choose to, well, not be as Jesus-ish as we should. But that's not how it works. In fact, that's not at all how it works. You see, God's wrath is against sin, not us. If we cling to our sin, if we allow that sin not only to define who we are, but we choose to be that sin, then God has no choice but to condemn both the sin and the sinner because justice demands it. Notice how that works, okay? If, if we're clinging to the sin so much that we have made it one with us, then, then God has to punish both the sin and the sinner. But if the sinner by faith allows Jesus to bear their sin and to be their Savior, 
if they confess their sins by saying, Lord, this is something that I don't want to do. Like St. Paul, the good I'm supposed to do, I don't do, but the evil I should not do. I found and find myself doing, oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to rescue me from this body of death? This is what the Bible calls substitutionary atonement or the propitiation for our sins. Yeah, big, big words. But that's when the wrath that justice demands is poured out on Jesus instead of us. And our sin is paid for forever. God is never going to come back and say, you know, I changed my mind. Uh, Psalm 103 says our sin was cast as far away as the east is from the west. And by the way, if you didn't know, um, that's like forever, okay? And so when St. Paul says we preach Christ crucified as the ultimate earthly foolishness, he doesn't stop there. We also confess Christ risen from the dead. Uh, the two bring about that holy tension, and, and they're necessary. See, the world thinks both of them are absolute foolishness. But to those of us who are suffering, those of us who are sinners, those of us who are weary and heavy laden, it is the power of God to save us. God understands our suffering. I wish I could tell you what you want to hear, that God isn't going to let you suffer, that God will only allow your life to be rainbows and puppies but I can't say it because it's not true. And in a mystery I will not attempt to explain, the cross declares God suffers with us when we suffer. That is what is hidden in plain sight in the Beatitudes when Jesus says, blessed art thou that. When two people who were in love decide to have a child, they talk about how bright and talented and loving and perfect this child of theirs is going to be. They speak of where the child will go to school, whether they're going to be a doctor, a lawyer, the president... They're going to talk about how many honors and awards this child is going to have. Parents rarely talk about the pain the child will suffer. Like when they're three years old and they throw up for the first time and they think they're going to die. When they get a bad grade on a test. When a girl breaks his heart for the very first time. Uh, when they have their first accident. When they don't qualify for the school or the job that, well, they had their hearts set on. Parents know those days will come. But they choose to concentrate on the good days, the good times. But true parents also know that they will be there no matter what their child is going through, holding their hand, listening at all hours of the night, and letting them know that they are loved no matter what. You see, as a community of faith, we are to share our suffering and share our dancing. And I'll be the first to say that we do not always do as good a job in sharing as we should. All of us bear pain and suffering and guilt and shame that we don't need to suffer through alone. Blessed are you, Jesus says. And I suppose the only way to really summarize the whole chapter is to say, blessed are you even when you aren't feeling so blessed. But know this, if you choose not to share your suffering with others, you are still never alone because God is always with you. A frog got into my office last week, a Bufos Marinus to be exact. It was a baby one. Kayla texted me on Thursday to let me know that her and Isaac found the frog, tried to get it, but it crawled underneath my shelves and they couldn't get it out. It appeared again on Saturday and Jerry was able to get it trapped in my closet. She used my vintage vinyl albums to do it. Now, on Sunday, Isaac and I opened the door and there was the baby frog. Afraid and huddled in the dark corner, not moving. We thought he was dead. In fact, I'm pretty sure the baby frog thought he was dead. But instead, 
Isaac captured it, released it into the vegetation and the stream that's outside my office where that little baby frog can eat bugs to its heart's content and live in the wide open spaces. I will always wonder how the baby frog felt when Isaac set it free. See, that's the difference between the baby frog and you. You, I can ask. You can tell me your story. You can tell me what it's like to both mourn and dance. You can tell me what both sides of that blessed art thou feel like. Yeah, it's that whole aloha at our saviorhawaii.com. Frederick Buechner said, the grace of God means something like, here is your life. You might have never been, but you are, because the party wouldn't have been complete without you. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. Don't be afraid, God says. I am with you. Nothing can ever separate us. It's for you. I created the universe, and I'm going to parenthetically insert, and heaven. And then God says, I love you. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you confess your faith with me in the words of the Nicene Creed? I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried, and on the third day he rose again according to the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.